Jesus said, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Over 2,000 years ago, our Lord said that as a warning as to what will happen when the end times have come. All over the world, Christ, the believer, and the church are experiencing mockery and persecution on multiple levels. Today, on our milestone of the 100th episode, we will be discussing the attack that has come upon the faith. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Paradigm Switch podcast with our hosts, Avon and Alex. We seek to encourage our heavenly family in Christ to renew their minds and to think right side up. The key to victory is knowledge, and it is our hope that through sharing our personal testimonies, struggles, and triumphs, it will help you continue your walk with Christ. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order for us to emerge anew, we first have to think anew. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Paradigmers. Welcome to another episode of the Paradigm Switch. I am one of the co-hosts, Avon, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. And we are celebrating our 100th episode here on the Paradigm Switch. Alex, congratulations. We have made it thus far. Well, we are the number one Christian podcast on Earth and Heaven's favorite podcasters. So we got to the 100th episode. <laughs> there we go. You know, when um, that tagline or whatever you want to call it came up to um, came to me i remember you were just like oh wow that's very bold to say but uh <laughs> it is kind of catchy and it's, i see i see that it's grown on you a little bit oh, it's uh it has caught on a little bit uh i mean it it gives the podcast some uh something memorable i guess exactly and you know i'm a big believer about positive um confessions and all that kind of stuff you know there's a scripture that says um he called those things that be not as though they were. So, you know, you got to call those things that you want and, you know, have positive confessions. And, you know, I was looking over some of our episodes and the statistics on the platform that hosts our episodes. We are only a few episodes away from reaching 5,000 5, downloads. So there's that as an accomplishment. And our top 10 episodes, here are our top 10 episodes. It's Fear Not, Behind the Veil, What's Your Sign, Heavenly Intervention, Modern Day Witchcraft Part 1 and 2, Alex's Testimony, System Compromise Part 1, Stay Humble, and Fear of Rejection are our top 10 episodes thus far um, of this by the time of this recording. And, you know, I can't help but laugh with the Alex Testimony one because I know why that one has a... <laughs> That's high numbers because that's that's oh. Alex's tagline when he's out there in the dating on the dating world. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> hey man, hey man, you know, pull out all the stops, pull out all the cards when you're out there, you know, at the dinner table. So hey, I ain't mad at you. Good for you for putting it out there. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's uh, interesting. It does come up in conversations when you meet other people, but no, and. All seriousness, this is the 100th episode, and we just want to take a moment to thank the Lord for allowing us to get here and thankful for our audience and that we are able to make an impact. Even we don't know how big that impact is, but it seems like we're making one. So I just want to thank God for allowing us to do this and, and be part of this uh, adventure, I guess we'll call it. Yeah, it's an adventure. You know, I just like discussing the Word of God. And like I said last um, time that, you know, every time we do one of these episodes, I grow all the more. My spiritual knowledge grows because, you know, Alex and I, you know, spend time researching and looking up these topics and stuff. We don't just wake up and say, oh, today's recording day. This is what we're going to talk about. You know, we spend time, you know, putting notes together and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot, all that kind of stuff. And I just enjoy um, discussing the word of God. And I get to do it with Alex, whom I've known for going on, was it 12, 13 years now? So 13 years, yeah, 13 years come May. Yeah, 13 years. So just yeah. continuing that ever growing long conversation that we always do talking about the word of God. And you were talking about who we've reached. Um, I think another interesting statistic um, is that 4% of our audience actually comes from Australia. And that 1% oh. comes from Canada. So, um, so I think that's an interesting um, statistic. And that majority, 56% uh, of our audience 
are females. So, and within the oh, age okay. bracket between 20, 23 to 45. That is our highest demographic at this time. Interesting, interesting. Uh, very interesting. So, well, we appreciate all of our listeners, both men and women, and them of all ages from any and every country here on planet Earth. So, we appreciate you all. But, um, glory to God that we've made it to the 100th episode, and we will celebrate the Lord when we get to the 200th episode. But today, we have a very interesting and serious topic to discuss, which is kind of the growing mockery or attack that seems to be coming on the Christian faith in the church. And I just want to give some kind of background of this episode. And so I'm more in tune with social media than Alex is. You know, I have TikTok, I have Facebook, I have Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've been seeing a growing trend of a mockery of Christianity. And for example, celebrities have a lot of symbolism in their music videos that are mocking Christianity, where these singing or, you know, these artists are legit hanging on a cross as if they're Christ. They are wearing a crown of throne, a crown of thorns, and they'll make it out of like, sometimes they'll make it out of diamonds and stuff like that. They'll walk around um, faking like their hands and feet have been pierced. Um, they'll show themselves, uh, like I said, portrayed on the cross and there is a lot of satanic imagery alongside um, some of their music videos and their performances and stuff like that. And it just seems like there's just this open mockery or this open ridicule that's coming against the church in a stronger way. Um, a lot more. And I mean, it's coming from the celebrities. I mean, I don't know why they have to use Christian I, um, symbolism, Christian figures. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's hurting our faith and stuff like that. Like, I don't know who wants to mock Jesus being on the cross. That's not funny. I don't find that well, funny. Any, any of these uh, people who are uh, enemies of Christ would uh, mock him like this. Anybody who is, you know, involved with witchcraft and the satanic arts and rituals, those kinds of people, I think uh, not surprising that uh, this is what is happening. Yeah, and alongside with that, you know, they want to hold, you know, dress themselves as Satan, and they want to have music. There was a music yeah. video a couple years ago of someone giving Satan a lap dance. Um, they're, you know, want to dress as demons. You know, they want to say, "Oh, let's all celebrate like we're going to hell." I mean, there was one. There's, I don't want to name the artist, but I remember in their performance they had a lot of fire and a lot of explosions. And I remember someone who is Christian was kind of dissecting that 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 concert. And there was this image that they had, and it looked like caverns and fire as if you're literally in hell. And it was just like a very eerie kind of imagery that was going on. And it's not just that. There's other, like, rules and regulations that are coming against the Christian faith where, you know, um, there's, like, attacks to us as a, as a faith unit. Um, I know I've seen several times. I've seen several times. Go ahead. An attempted tax or ways to force the church to pay the state, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I have seen uh, legislators attempt to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like when people have this conversation of wanting to make, quote unquote, religious groups, you know, like pay taxes, it seems like everyone has this anger towards the church. And overall, it just seems like the public opinion of the Christian faith is just going south especially in the West is going South and it's getting worse in my opinion, oh. just from what I'm seeing on social media. I don't know what yeah. you've seen. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. You talk about the music scene. We did an episode in October on our Halloween specials about what was going on in the music industry. Um, we see increasingly hostile uh, people in government. Uh, there was uh, one particular Senator. I think he was a Senator. And he basically said that we can't have Christians being in the United States. Really? Uh, yes. And I'm I am tempted to call this individual out, but I think <laughs> I'll just let our viewers Google this. Google this. You will find it. You will find it. It is uh, not a. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It was a congressman, not mm -hmm. a senator. It was a congressman from Maryland who said this. So. Um, there's a video about it. But yeah, you know, he, he was basically, he basically said, uh, we don't want to have Christians in America. 
Wow. That's um okay. <laughs> that's yeah, interesting. I mean, kinds of people that are getting in charge and, and they, uh, politics is downstream from culture, right? And so the culture has been polluted what, with what is going on in, in the media and the music industry and literature and, and movies, those kinds of uh, things. And they're all playing a, a role in what goes on in government. And so now we have guys like this uh, congressman from Maryland who are explicitly anti-Christian. Okay. And this is, I think, very concerning if you're a believer in the United States. And it's even worse in other Western countries. Well, what other things have you seen? Because you're more in tune to, you know, I'm more in tune with the pop culture. You're more in tune with like, like news and politics. Like what have you heard about what's going on around the world or maybe like statistics and stuff? Well, there's a couple of incidences that happened just this week involving anti-Christian Americans. Uh, so the first guy, he went to Israel and, you know, he's, he's a foreigner who decided that he hated Christians so much that he wanted to destroy this statue of Jesus in a Jerusalem church. Wow. And he, uh, he just uh, destroyed it and caused uh, problems in this church. And ironically, it was, uh, he, he got stopped by Palestinians. They may have been Palestinian Christians, actually. I'm not sure. Um, I did not read that in the article. But yes, they, uh, they stopped him in his tracks. Um, he was an extremist, very angry against other faiths. Um, and it's, uh, he really hated Christians in particular. Wow, that's uh, sad to hear. Particularly Jesus. Yes, saying that Jesus being considered the Son of God is highly blasphemous is, is what he uh, was saying. And then um, there was a, a Catholic Christian who got thrown out of the Smithsonian just the other day. And he was... The, the, the Catholic Church's position, as it should be, because this is the Christ position, is that of you know caring about life, pro-life, general, that lives all lives matter right mm -hmm. and you know he got thrown out of the smithsonian for wearing something to that effect wow and you know there was there was a recent story i heard or at least i saw the video on my tiktok this guy was at the mall and he was wearing a hoodie that said jesus saves and he got kicked out of the mall for wearing yeah, a hoodie I, that said jesus saves because it was offensive to some people at the mall and which i was shocked because i know when i'm at the mall i'm definitely not looking at people you know, it's just ridiculous to me because if they had been wearing other things that said other kinds of messages, yeah. you know that this would never have been a problem. Heck, I bet they could go around wearing a satanic sweatshirt with satanic symbols and satanic slogans, and they wouldn't be asked to leave the store. But when it's a Christian, oh, no. These people have to be thrown out because we don't like them anymore. And and like you said, public opinion in the West of Christianity and, and Christianity is declining. Um, these secular people are becoming increasingly hostile, mm -hmm. especially over the last ten years. Wow! Like, what's happened? Has there been like has there been actual like martyrs? Because you know, like you know, when we read like the Book of Acts and stuff, the persecution that they went through, you know, actually cost them their lives. You know, some some people might not think that that's happening in the world today. Uh, it is definitely happening in the world today. And I can only thank God that it doesn't happen here in the United States and it doesn't happen in the Western world at large, but it is certainly happening elsewhere in the world. And per research done by Gordon Conwell Seminary, approximately 130,000 Christians are killed every year. Mm -hmm. 130,000 worldwide. The top offenders... Um, and I will read a list of the top 10 countries where this goes on. North Korea, we shouldn't be surprised there. Uh, this is a very secular, it's a communist nation, has no place for God in a communist country like that. They stamp out believers as fast as they can. Um, and then a whole slew of countries that are um, large percentages controlled by uh, Islamic extremism. Mm-hmm. So you have Somalia, you have Afghanistan, Pakistan, the Sudan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, and Eritrea, and a lot of a lot of persecution 
in countries like this, uh, those are the, the top 10 countries where Christians face the most persecution in the world. But, you know, you have other countries too. Uh, India is a place where Christians increasingly see uh, persecution at the hands of the government. You have uh, Ethiopia, where it's increasingly, this is a, a Christian country, but there is a, a non-Christian element that is uh, trying to take away um, Christian Christians' rights and powers there. Uh, uh, you have Nigeria, where Boko Haram, a terrorist organization, is uh, taken over part of the country and is really uh, bringing terror to Christians. And, and to be fair, also uh, peace-loving Muslims as well. Uh, and in North Africa, Libya and Egypt, uh, you know, there is some persecution there. And I think also increasingly in Turkey, um, as the government there has taken a turn towards more, uh, shall we say, uh, a more Islamism kind of government, where it's uh, more integrated with the country's government than it has been previously. Gotcha. So, you know, hearing all this as a backstory, I thought it was important that we talk about, like, the church being under attack. And, you know, the goal of today's episode is to discuss how a Christian handles such open disrespect, mockery of the faith that we obviously hold dear. You know, how do we respond to this? How should we respond to this? Even if we should, you know, should we respond to this? And how do we prepare ourselves? Something to, like, go over. So one of the first things I just want to ask you, Alex, just to start this conversation is, you know, and I think you've kind of laid out the foundation of do you think that from the world there is an open attack against the church? Yes. Yeah. And how does that make you feel like knowing there is like an attack against us? And I want to say this as like a disclaimer or whatever saying that in the United States and more of the Western world, we kind of face more of a social persecution rather than like our life being on the line, as you stated in the other countries, those top 10 places, those face real life death situations um, of persecution here in the in the Western world, we kind of just deal with more of a social outcast, being disrespected, being laughed at, being mocked at, um, and stuff. So knowing this, like this open attack, how does that make you feel as a Christian? Does that make you nervous, or does it make you angry? What? Uh, yeah, it makes me angry. It does make me angry because I don't like seeing people suffer, mm -hmm. uh, and especially when they're they're suffering for beliefs that I share. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's it's very upsetting. It's distressing to me that this happens. Um, and I, I'm very thankful that God has spared us here from the more extreme kinds of persecution that are being faced overseas and also historically for believers. Uh, you just remember they have, uh, when Christianity first began, once Jesus left, the disciples were spreading it. The Roman Empire was killing people, feeding them to lions, ripping them in Part crucifying them. Um, Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was had his head cut off in Rome. Um, it's just, I think this goes to show, Avent, that the devil hates us. Yeah. And he has hated us since the start. And he has been against us ever since the beginning. And he's been against really all of the people who God has had some sort of uh, blessing put on. So against the Jews historically, look at what has happened to them over the years to the, to the, um, to the Arabs, look mm -hmm. at what has happened to Christians. Look at what has happened. I mean, he just really hates anybody who is connected in some way uh, to the Lord. And th this is just very distressing to me. It's upsetting to see. And yes, in, the United States and the West, as we see an increasingly hostile culture, I see where this goes ultimately, because you look at overseas and see where this all ends up. Yeah. And it is it's very, uh, or you look at, um, you, you look at what happened in Germany in the 1930s and 1940s, look at how fast that situation deteriorated mm -hmm. for, for the Jews there. And I can certainly, unfortunately, I can see this happening to Christians if we're not careful, if, if we don't, if we don't get more involved in, in the culture and in the political realm, it can all deteriorate very quickly. And yes, it is concerning to me. Yeah. What it, are, what so when I see these things, especially like when I see like celebrities mocking Christianity, mocking Christ, or even the audacity to try to play with such symbolisms as Satism and stuff that we know to be actually evil, I actually feel sorry for them. 
I actually have sympathy for people like that because they don't know what they're dabbling into. They don't know the sins that they are committing. They, you know, kind of like when Jesus says, uh, forgive them more because they know not what they do, you know, and stuff. They don't know what they're, you know, I, I think they may have head knowledge in the sense of like, oh, what I've heard this might be doing, but not really knowing what they're in contact with or what they're dabbling into. You know, there's some theories, you know, we're not going to get into it about like different Illuminati groups and what they might be dabbling into different forms of witchcraft. So they might be knowledgeable. That's for another conversation, but I feel sorry for them and stuff. I feel sorry for them in the sense of that they're lost and that they're deceived and all that kind of stuff. It does make me sometimes angry and uncomfortable because of the fact that they are mocking um, what I believe. And um, it's becoming basically what the scripture says that, you know, they're saying what is good to be evil and what is evil to be good and stuff like that. And, you know, it angers me more at the devil that he's deceived people because I want people to be saved. I want people to receive Christ and I want people to experience the goodness of the Lord, but it's just blindness that's blocking them. So it's more of angry, anger at the devil, but sympathy towards people and stuff like that. And, you know, I just, it just reminds me that I just need to be prepared for whatever comes my way to make sure I hang on in the faith and stuff like that and not be intimidated and stuff that, and I know I've said this before and I think, you know, and I know I've told you this Alex offline and stuff out of God's infinite in God's infinite wisdom. He chose us to live in this time right now. The apostle Paul could not live in this time right now. He couldn't come. He couldn't do his mission now. Cause that wasn't God's purpose for him to live during this time in history. God chose us to live in this time of history to fulfill his will and we're anointed and picked to do whatever he wants to do. So I don't want believers to hear this episode and to fall into fear because that's not our, that's not our objective. I want people to know that if you are living on the planet at this time, moment in time with this kind of hostility groaning stuff, God knew it and God chose you to still complete the mission that he chose you to, um, to do. I always think this is a very hard topic. It's it's hard. But I and I do think, you know, at the end we do need to endure because those who endure to the end are going to be saved, says Jesus in Matthew twenty four, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. But I I think when when we in the West have the ability to influence our government and culture, I think we need to take that. No, because I, I don't think we need to sit by and do nothing. I do agree right. that do what you can. There are, some, there are some Christians who do. They think that to engage in the political system and engage the culture is somehow sinful and corrupting. And I don't agree with that point of view. We talked about it on this show when we did the civic responsibility episode in November. That, folks, is exactly how you get oppressive persecuting governments towards Christians because you stand aside and allow the bad people, the lost people, the confused people to take over. And I am, by the way, not convinced that some of these people are truly ignorant. I think that they know exactly what they're doing Mm -hmm. by oppressing Christians. And those people are evil. And the ones who know better and do it anyway, I personally find it much more difficult to have sympathy for them than I do the people who are truly lost and they they're doing what they do out of ignorance. And I know there are people like that out there, uh, but there are people who grew up in the church and now mm. they persecute it and they know better. That is true. And I, I find it hard to have any sympathy for them, to be honest. Now, now I will. The tough. It's tough for me. It's one of my ongoing struggles at the moment. I will say for those who feel as though they can't impact the culture, I will say my mindset beforehand was in the sense of like, oh, Jesus had already said this is going to come. So why even fight it? Kind of just go with it. <laughs> I will say that was kind of my mindset of like, hey, Jesus already said the end time is going to come. He already said like things are going to get worse. So why fight against it and stuff? But it doesn't mean like I still can't like wave or, you know, have my banner up you know, fighting against it, it might still have, you know, we already know it's going to happen, but it doesn't mean I just sit by and do nothing. I still have a civic responsibility, as you said, but um, have you ever experienced like some form of persecution yourself? Because I was thinking around this episode, you know, I know I've experienced more social persecution and I still do. Here I am 30 years old and I still kind of experience some um, persecution in some form of, um, or one way or another. Like I remember in school, like, 
people would tease me because of the ideals I held dear. You know, one thing being like pro-life and things about um, abstinence and um, things about like drinking or like smoking and doing drugs and stuff like that. You know, people would make fun of me and people would say like, oh, you know, you're just, you know, tight wind and all that kind of stuff and you're not having any fun. Just more of just teasing and being ostracized from my peers and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't invited to the party. I remember being awkwardly sitting at like, you know, in the classroom and everyone's getting an invite to the party and they go like, well, you're not invited because you wouldn't be any fun to be there. You know, stuff like that. Um, Experienced that same kind of thing in college. I remember one teacher called me out when we were having a debate. Everyone was on the same page of being pro-choice and here I am a Christian and he like called me out and be like, defend your pro-life, you know, stance. And I'm in, like the only one in the classroom <laughs> and just kind of having all eyes on me and feeling that pressure and stuff. And even now in my, in my adult life, you know, sometimes when I'm with my friends or, you know, with my gym mates and stuff like that, I don't get invited to any and everything because of the fact that they know I'm a Christian and they kind of feel as though because I won't partake in some of their activities, I'm going to kill the vibe. So it's just more of social ostracism and all that kind of stuff. Um, that I've experienced. And so that's the kind of form of persecution I've experienced. Of course, people have called me names and be like, you know, Jesus free, Jesus lover, all that kind of stuff. I've been called baited because of my views being viewed as quote unquote old school and stuff like that. But yeah, I've experienced more of a social persecution than um, I've never been attacked. Thankfully, I've never been attacked physically or anything like that. Yeah, and I would say it's the same for me. Thank God I have never been in a in a position where I have been physically assaulted or arrested for my faith in Christ. But yeah, I've certainly faced mockery, faced uh, people telling me that I'm too uptight, like you said, uh, too straight-laced, not fun, those kinds of things. I don't really care about that. They just, those kinds of insults just roll off of me. But but I do remember one situation when I was in grad school and I started talking about my faith in response to a question I got by one of my coworkers and he he ridiculed me and said, I can't believe you really believe that stuff. And he just laughed and that stuck with me for a long time. It mm -hmm. still sticks with me. And, you know, I, there, I just feel sad. I feel sad because he's been deceived. I, I, I feel really sorry and sympathetic towards him and it's just uh you know the devil has pulled the wool over his eyes it's very unfortunate and i i wish it were otherwise but you know i also learned that people get to make their own choices they do and i think we talked about this last week with heartbreak episode um you know people make their own decisions about where they stand with god and whether they're going to be for him or not and there's nothing we can do about that uh, other than tell the, the good news and you know it's up to that person to believe it or not so I just looked at the, the people who who call names and say nasty things you know I, I just feel sad uh, and sorry for them because they're confused um, the people on the other hand who start beating and killing others uh, you know I think even secularly there is some common standard of, of decency people know not to do those things mm -hmm. And, you know, do it anyway. So much easier to feel anger towards the that than it is just the, the mockery and the, the social persecution and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so far, we have not been canceled. So that's a, that's a one for us. Other, other people have been canceled in the culture. They've been, you know, businesses getting boycotted. Uh, they get their shows shut down. The licenses revoked. whole life just gets shut like shut down like yeah lot lawsuits come against them i mean it, it this is social persecution well you and know it is happening in the united states it is happening in the west in general and i'm i tell you it, it just goes back if we are not going to be engaged in the political system just go back and look at what happened in germany it is the roadmap but this, is the, but this is the thing. How did it happen in, like, just since we're here in America? Because, like, how did we get to this place of, like, such disrespect of the faith and it being so, like, disrespected and, like, like not tolerated or anything like that? Like, what do you think, like, was the shift of the cause? Because I even feel like as a kid, you know, growing up in the 90s, like, there was always this kind of, like, respect of the church of, like, you know, the church and their beliefs and stuff like that. Like you just knew where they stood. And if you didn't agree with it, you went your own way. Kind of like, you didn't like, you just went your own way. It just seems like now it's like, 
if they say something or someone says something that you don't agree with, it's just like canceled, like you said, or they come against you and all this kind of stuff. Like, where did this shift like happen where it's just like, like, I can't like, cause the thing is that gets me is that any other faith group can hold what they believe and people will respect it. And it seems as though when you run into a Christian that holds to the cores of what the Bible says, then like people will come and attack you. And it's just like, well, I'm just like so-and-so who believes in what they believe. They get applauded for maintaining their diligence to their faith. Why am I under attack for maintaining, you know, my my diligence to my faith? I know the answer to it spiritually of it's the devil behind the scenes, but I just don't understand like where was this shift or what was the cause of this? I think historically it can be traced back to the 1960s, at least in the United States. Why you say that? We had, well, we had the counterculture happen. We had this group of people who decided to rebel against what was at the time a society whose moral fabric was derived from Judeo-Christian values. And this group decided to go down the road of it was all about them. It Mm -hmm. was all about what they wanted to do. It was all about tolerating their behavior. And some of these people came into academia And they started to teach this mindset to more and more children. And so we Mm. have a generation now. We've reached the tipping point where we're at the generation. So many people have fallen prey to this anti-Christian, anti-Judeo-Christian, anti-Western mindset. They were taught this by their teachers, by their professors. And now this is the coming generation. Gotcha. Which is the generation that does not believe in Christianity and has been has been taught that Christians are bigoted and intolerant because of what the Bible teaches. Uh, you know, they the but this isn't surprising because God says there will come a day where they'll say what's wrong is right and try to make what's right is wrong. Yeah, well, and that's what we're seeing. That is what we're seeing, and you know, I I, you know, I didn't know that about the academia. I can see that being true. Um, and stuff. But, you know, I was thinking, I think one way that has caused this disrespect coming from the government or just kind of like I said earlier about public opinion is the fact that there has been so much chaos and mockery <laughs> from within the church, like not just coming from the outside. There's been so much chaos and disrespect coming from within the church. Like how can someone from the outside take this faith group or this church seriously when there's been so much chaos or things, you know, gone wrong? And yeah, and you make a valid point, and I think that that is certainly contributing to, to the problem, at least amongst our generation. They see what they perceive to be hypocrisy of Christians, yeah. where you know people who call themselves Christians are not really living uh, the way that they should. And so people see that, and they, they're very they're like hypocrites. Why should I listen to you when you don't even listen to your own teachings? You don't follow your own teachings, things of that nature. We have... You know, churches that are um, moving away from scripture. We have churches that say the Bible is not the infallible word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have churches that uh, have covered up scandals and exploitation of children and multi- across multiple denominations. Uh, we have had cults associate themselves with Christians, even though they're not. And yeah. I think all of that together has really skewed the image for some yeah not all but some and again this feeds into those who are in academia teaching anti-christian things you know it's easy for people to believe that when they see this kind of hypocrisy that goes on you know i want to say this as as a disclaimer you know I'm not trying to, and Alex isn't trying to either be one of those people who sit here and criticize the church on every aspect and stuff, because I've been seeing a rise of that amongst Christian influencers or Christian, other Christian podcasters that just want to sit here and say everything that the church is doing wrong, and they build their platform on everything that the church is doing wrong. We're not here for that at all. Sure, we might say what we, you know, a critique, an incident or two. Um, and stuff, but I think there are a lot of good things that the church does do overall. I think there's a lot of good that the church, you know, that stands upon and all that kind of stuff, but there are some weak points 
that do need to be strengthened or, you know, need to um, be addressed and all that kind of stuff. I just want to throw that disclaimer out there that Alex is not, and I are not trying to use this platform. No, and, and <laughs> no, I mean, and, and I think our show speaks for itself. We talked all about the importance of being in the church and, and making sure you're in a church that teaches well and having fellowship with those in the church. I mean, yeah. those are very important. We, we're not advocating against the church at all. So hopefully nobody is uh, thinking that that's the takeaway message from this episode. It shouldn't be. The explanation is other people, non-believers, see things in the church and it causes them to, whether those things are true or not, this is what their perception is. Mm -hmm. Whether it's correct or not is up for debate in some cases, but that's what they're thinking. That's, And so that's what drives their thought processes i've talked to people i'm a scientist do you know how many people are gonna consider are, are gonna declare themselves christians in my field it's not very high yeah you know i want to share i want to share some of the examples of the kind of mockery or the foolishness that people in the church do of our faith i recently was on tiktok and i was scrolling and there was this guy who was a pastor, and he was, like, going to start his sermon or whatever. And he was like, I'm going to get a tattoo while I'm going to preach the word to you. And I'm like, what? Like, why would you do that? That that Like, you are obviously not taking the ministering of the word of God serious that you think that, oh, I can get a tattoo while I'm preaching the word and look cool. And and that, to me personally, I thought he was doing that just as a gimmick to get more attraction because obviously that's going to catch people's attention of seeing some preacher getting a tattoo while he preaches the word. You know, the fact of a Christian getting a tattoo, that's a whole other, other debate. But just the fact of doing that while you're trying to teach and minister the word, you're not taking it seriously. Here you are supposed to be a minister of the gospel trying to reach souls from going to, you know, going to hell. That's for eternal. And you're over here, you know, taking it lightly and stuff like that. And there was another um, example that I have to, I shared it with my brother and we were both just mind bottled. Just like, here he is. He says he is a pastor. He introduces himself saying, I'm a minister of the gospel. I have a doctorate in the Bible and theology and all this kind of stuff. And he claims right away, I don't believe in hell. I don't really think there's a heaven. I don't, you know, it's just kind of like totally deconstruction of the faith. It's like these people come in, infiltrate the faith, and they get behind the pulpit because they just want some platform to so they can stand in front of people. And they sit there and deconstruct everything of the faith. So this is the kind of foolishness and mockery that's coming from, from within the church that other people could be seeing and it, it affects people and stuff. And I'm not going to get in the topic of like all the other, like people claim to be false teachers and stuff like that. But this is the kind of stuff that I'm saying a foolishness and mockery that comes from, comes from the pulpit. And Oh, I got to share this other example. It still blows my mind. It still blows my mind. There was this popular pastor. It happened a couple years ago, a popular pastor um, down South and he allowed a secular movie star to preach the preach the gospel from his pulpit. People know this is a secular secular actor and stuff, but he thought it was appropriate to allow him to have that power in quotation to stand in front of the church and minister to people. And then he let this guy go around praying for people. Like to me, that's just a bunch of foolishness because you know, like this person is not anointed to do such a ministry. He's not truly submitted himself to Christ to do such a, such an activity. So this is the kind of stuff that I can see why that gives license for people who are unbelievers to say, well, they're not taking it seriously. Why should I take it seriously? Yeah. I mean, that's a problem. And maybe, maybe it's that Christians, the, the Christians who wish to live a godly life, they do not publicly denounce this as much as maybe they ought to. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I do I do see videos of uh, Christians denouncing this stuff, but mm -hmm. maybe it needs to be done more loudly. It, 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 it needs to be done um, much, much loudly. So in the midst of us living in a society, <laughs> living in a society of we have foolishness or mockery coming from unbelievers and then people who claim to be believers. And here we are, you and I and our audience members trying to live a godly life, trying to live the true Christian life on this path. What do we do to maintain ourselves in this kind of 
in this kind of situation? What do you think this uh, an unbeliever, I mean, a believer in Christ needs to do to maintain standing on the rock? I think it goes back to ensuring that they have knowledge of the scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if they have knowledge of the scripture, then they can discern what is right and what is wrong. And they can make those decisions about what not to get involved in and what not to fall for these these twists of truth the devil the devil's favorite i think one of his favorite mechanisms is to tell lies that are shrouded in truth Mm -hmm. because those are the best types of lies uh and he will twist the truth he twists biblical truth if you look in matthew i think it's chapter four when jesus is in the wilderness the devil quotes scripture at Jesus in order to entice him into sinfulness. Yeah. He loves to twist it. But we have to have an understanding as Jesus did so we can tell when this is happening because it does happen. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there is a, a, a decent-sized chunk of the American church that falls for this kind of stuff, I think. And I, those of us... Uh, who are listening to this show, we we have got to be smarter than that. And the way we are smarter than that is we understand what is written in our Bibles. Yeah. And I think we also need to be prepared to be by ourselves or kind of this thing of like already accept, like I'm not going to be the most popular person or to follow the most popular path. Like if you know you are going to a church where some foolishness is happening or some disrespect of the faith is happening, but you continue going there just because of the fact that, oh, there's a lot of people here, my friends are here, and this, this, and that. I think you really need to evaluate yourself and say, you know what? This is bigger than my friends. This is bigger than just the number of people who are going here. I need to make sure I am under and involved and connected to a church that is biblically sound, that is biblically um, connected to the Holy Ghost, that is doing what's right, or at least attempting to follow that straight and narrow path. Uh, you, you just really need to make sure you're connected to what is right. And that might cost you being around popularity or being around the quote unquote cool thing that's going on right now, you know, and you know, you might need to walk a path that might have a little bit of a lonely period until God brings you into a better season and just be willing to go through those kind of sacrifices. I mean, I agree. Yeah, you gotta accept that you're in this day and age not going to have the most popular opinion. Uh, and then the way that this changes, though, is for you to not shrink away. Mm-hmm. I think it's for you to share your faith with others, and it's intimidating. And I think um, in some places you have to be wise about how you do this. There's there's ways to do it that I think are. Uh, they come up, they, they are able to reach people easier. Now, this has always been something that I'm always curious about. Like, should a person, if you're a believer in Christ, should you be one of those people that are waving a banner, that's waving a sign and being like, you're wrong and standing up like that? Or should you be a lot more tactful and a lot more, you know, under the radar or a lot more skilled? Like, what's your opinion? My opinion is you need to be one, you need to be led by the Holy Ghost. And I think you need to be a lot more um, subtle. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And yes, I have come to believe that the more tactful presentation of Christ, the relational presentation of Christ, is more effective at reaching others, especially those who are very hostile against the faith, than the guy who's shouting on the street corner. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, people get to know you. And then when you're able to share their faith, it makes them question what they believe if they know that you are a believer. They're like, can these negative things really be the case if this individual is a Christian? Because this person is like, not like the negative stuff that they're saying. So it makes them think. And I think that they're more receptive to listening to you when you get to know them more personally. And, you know, this came to me right now. Um, I think also... You know, because my next question was going to be, how should someone handle experience persecution, whether it is physical or whether it is a social persecution? And um, to answer this question, I think, you know, when you're going through persecution, standing up for the faith, especially in this culture right now that's like coming against the church, I think we need to make sure you're maintaining the right perspective. 
because it's easier when it's it's easy when you're being like attacked to feel as though you're the loser and you feel as though well people are attacking me they're coming against me obviously I'm in the wrong because they have the greater number and stuff you need to remember and keep in keep in the forefront the forefront of your memory that you're with Christ and you are in the right you are on the winning side you're on the winning side. It might look like you're losing at this moment, but ultimately, like Alex always says, that in the end, when we get to heaven and all that kind of stuff, you're on the winning side. When it's all said and done, you will be on the winning side. You might endure this little persecution and a little uncomfortableness and all that kind of stuff currently, and you know, you might lose some friends, you might, you know, lose relationships with your family and all that kind of stuff. And even to our brothers and sisters out there in the different countries where it might be costing them their lives, unfortunately. But always remember and keep in the forefront of your mind to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. You win either way. Uh, that is what Paul says. And I cannot speak to what would happen with physical persecution. Um, I have not experienced that. I just know that, as you said, Avon, I, I want to be on the right side at the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to be on God's side. And I really hope... I really hope I don't experience physical persecution. I don't, I don't know anyone who would want that to happen to them. Um, so I will speak more about the social persecution because that is what I have experienced myself. Uh, and when somebody is going to do that to you, and you have got to just let it roll off your shoulders. You've got to let it, let it roll off your shoulders. You can't let anger fester inside of you because that leads to hatred. And then you might do things that you regret. Mm -hmm. Uh, The devil can entice you into sinfulness. And and really, if you let anger fill you and you do do something, then that just plays into these people's ideas that Christians deserve whatever comes for them. And when you're experiencing those anger and all that kind of stuff, please forgive them. Like, don't, don't let that, you know, the Bible says we have to forgive. Like the Bible says we have to forgive. That is a qualification. If you want to be in Christ that you have to forgive so that you yourselves can be forgiven of your sin. And I think how to handle dealing with social persecution, whether it's social or physical, you have to forgive the person who's doing it. Jesus, while being nailed to the cross said, forgive them Lord, for they know not what they do. So you have to, yeah, and, it, and I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, especially when they know better. Yeah. It's really hard, but you do. You do have to forgive. Just as the Father forgives us, we have to forgive other people. And mm-hmm. and I will say this as well. Um, you know, if you know the person, maybe you ought to... Uh, sometimes it is tempting to tell them that they're being very intolerant. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Maybe if you have a relationship, maybe you can say that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I you mean like address the address the hostility address, if it's like a person you know. The hostility. Yes, address the hostility. You know, I have often found Aiden, that people who claim that they are tolerant often are some of the most intolerant people mm-hmm. when it comes to those who say that they're believers. And I think that if you know this person well, I think you should say something to them because if they were saying bad things about something else. Yeah. You'd want to let them know how their words and behavior are coming across, you know, cause they're making fools of themselves. So that's how I look at it here. And if it's a stranger, just let it go. Roll, roll off your shoulders. That person is on the losing side. And when you look back at Psalm 73, they are not going to have a good future in the end. Well, you know, when you said that, I've never really thought about it because I think sometimes as Christians, we think we're never supposed to confront when, when addressed with some with such hostility that we're just supposed to turn the other cheek and just let it happen, you know, stuff like that. But if I'm facing hostility, maybe from someone I know, you know, maybe a friend or a close relative or whoever it is, someone that you know, a coworker, you know what? Maybe addressing them back might actually bring clarity and be a light unto them to see that their behavior is wrong. If you, you know, if you do it properly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't address it. I wouldn't respond back to them with anger or frustration or anything like that, because that's not the right way. Do it in love and understanding from kind of like where they might be coming from, but still addressing it to them. You might actually win a soul by doing that from showing them, like turning the mirror on them and seeing how they're behaving. You you gotta, yeah, you gotta be calm. And 
I have found sometimes people, these so-called popular things to believe, cultural things, they're really illogical. Yeah. And there was one individual I know, and he and I have a good relationship. And he he said something that was quite uh, illogical, and it, it can't. It's there are people who believe this, and it's becoming a popular trend. This particular idea, and he was he he stated this idea to me, and I was like, you know, you understand that like this particular idea has been done to people in the past and it's resulted in a lot of horrible things happening mm-hmm. like you understand what you're sounding like and he he, he apologized he didn't know he didn't realize what that really sounds like and so maybe people who are you know railing against christianity maybe they don't really know how it sounds like and if you are friends with them i i do encourage you to sit down and say hey look man you know i uh you're saying things like this and you know, it just is coming across as really uh, awful what you're saying. And have you ever thought about, you know, how you're coming across to others when you're saying things like this? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's hurtful. Like, you're hurting me by saying these things. See, that's why I said in the er, in the beginning, that's why I have a feeling of sympathy for those who might be persecuting me or, like, making a mockery and all that kind of stuff because they obviously don't know. Like, I'm just looking back at the whole passion of the Christ, of uh, passion of Christ, of you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all of them were like, they legit thought they were doing the right thing. They didn't know any better. Jesus was able to forgive them because he understood they didn't know any better. They, you know, they truly didn't understand they were deceived and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm saying if you're facing persecution, face it in victory. We overcome evil with good. You cannot fight evil with more evil of frustration and anger and being like, they're the enemy and this, this, and that. The Bible says our war is with spiritual beings or with the devil, not against flesh and blood. These people are our brothers and sisters that we're trying to reach out to that they can come back into the fold of Christ and all that kind of stuff. So we have to have understanding. We have to have forgiveness and we have to have um, righteousness and we have to maintain our holiness. You know, just because we're facing persecution does not give us license to act up. (laughs) It doesn't give us permission to lose our ground and to stop doing what is right and continue. We have to continue doing what's right. Like I said, we overcome evil with good. They're attacking us with evil. We maintain our line and we maintain doing what's good. We forgive people. We love people. We help people. Like the Bible says, if you see your enemy that doesn't have food or water, you give them food or water and all that kind of stuff. And you heap coals of fire on them by your showing of love and kindness towards them, even though that they're your enemy. You know, Jesus even said, you know, love your enemy because what we know what marks or what extra points does it give you to show only kindness to those who are nice to you or your friends show good things or do good things to your enemies as well, because you'll be just like your father who's in heaven and stuff. You know, they say awful things about Christ. I mean, all the symbolisms and stuff is, is, you know, is blasphemy against him and stuff, but God still gives them rain. He still gives them sunshine and he still gives them air to breathe and they're still here and stuff like that. So I, I, you know, I truly believe in like during the times of first persecution, Christians need to maintain still doing what is right. You need to still do what is right and loving people and walking in holiness and walking in kindness. On the when Jesus got arrested, he performed a miracle of healing one of the arresters and putting the ear back on him when he got cut. He did something yeah. nice for that person. Here, this person came to arrest him, and he put the ear back on him. One of his people that came to uh, take him captive. And he put his ear back on him and did a miracle for him and stuff. So that's the kind of God we that's the kind of God we have that we need to follow and mimic in those times of pressure and persecution. Yeah, that is true, and it's hard. It can be hard, but you're right, Avon. We need to stay the course, and we need to remain righteous and in good standing with God. And I I think it is going to be up to the Holy Spirit to do that for you. Yeah. And that's why we got to grow. Yeah, we do. Otherwise, if you don't, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, I I just don't see how that you can stand when that happens. I just, if you don't have the Holy Spirit active in your life, I just don't see how. Well, yeah, no, it's not it. Not by our strength can we do it. It's it's through the 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 faith and the strength of God. So we're coming on our time here, and I want to ask this one last question. You know, we're hearing all these things of like, you know, um, persecution on all fronts and stuff. But what is your expectations of the future? Do you have a good expectation of the future or a fear of the future? And you can be, you know, I want you to be completely honest. 
I I hadn't concerned about the future. Uh, I was definitely, um, I've been shaken by what is happening politically in the United States and elsewhere. Uh, and it is a concern, but I also know that God is greater than what is in this world. Mm -hmm. And I know that he is a God of miracles and that as long as we stand on him, we can have hope. And all I can do is pray. I pray for the future of the United States, you know, pray for, for the leaders that we have good leaders who make wise decisions, um, and try and reach those close with the love of Christ and, and try my best to model Christ's like behavior mm -hmm. to others. Um, but yeah, I, I am concerned about the future and where this is going in the West. No, I, I understand. I mean, it's a concern for me. You know, everyone everyone would love for things to be comfortable and never have to have any opposition or anything like that. But, you know, um, I think I, you know, Alex, you know, I'm a realist. You know, Alex used to say I'm not a realist back in the day. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I think for me, I see this in perspective. I see it in perspective of, Jesus already said, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just face the music. You're going to have trouble. In, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. But he told us to cheer up, or as I would like to say, get over it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he said, get over it, because I've overcome the world, and you're in me. And with me, you're going you're gonna to make it, and all that kind of stuff. So I keep these kind of scriptures in my mind that say, you know, I'm going to make it. And like I said earlier, God could have put me in any kind of time zone, any kind of, you know, moment of history and this stuff. But he chose that I be born in 1992, that I live in this time, and that whatever chaos or trouble that's happening during this time period or, you know, when I'm, you know, this whole time when I'm alive um, and stuff that I'm able to face it and I'm able to overcome it and all that kind of stuff. So I actually have, I want to see so much fear. I have concern for the things that I see that it might, you know, it might be rough. I'm not going to lie. It might be rough. And, you know, I might be in a situation, you know, sometimes my older brother and I talk about it, you know, it might get so bad with Christians where, you know what, we got, we have to do it old school where, you know what, we might have to live family and family living in house together just to make ends meet and just that kind of like community come back to be even, you know, tighter, you know, Joel, you know, so that we can make it and stuff, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Um, kind of a thing, but, or, you know, we might have to go underground and all that kind of stuff and use passwords and all that kind of stuff um, like that. But you know what? I have an expectation of, I have an expectation, I guess in the end, I know in the end God wins. So to me, it's just like, this is all, this has all been foretold. This has all been expected and it's all in the plan for things to all um, to come to an end for God's glory to be in the end. So morally, I'm praying for my fellow believers to hang in there. I mean, I'm that's my more my goal is praying for my fellow brothers and sisters to hang in there and not run. That's my thing is just don't run. Like don't don't run in the sense of like don't run away and all that kind of stuff. Stand stand your ground, keep the faith, and let God you know let God use you in ever in you know any kind of capacity and all that kind of stuff. So I have I have high expectations for God's glory to be used the more the church. The church was able to grow and spread the more when persecuted and the God's glory shone, shined the brightest during that time. Cause you know, all those miracles and stuff was happening. I mean, angels was coming down, breaking people out of jail, jail breaks and all that kind of stuff. So who knows, maybe those things going to start coming back. So, um, I have, I have high expectations in the sense of like the children of God are going to stand strong and mighty, like the real ones, no longer, you know, the wheat and the tear. It's coming. It's coming to see that what who is really the wheat and who's really the tear. And I think um, the ones who are the real deal are going to shine the brightest, and um, God's going to get the glory out of it. So I have high expectations. So this was a serious episode to talk about on our 100th episode, but it was something I've been wanting to talk about for the longest time about like the growing disrespect I've seen going on in the faith and the mockery that's happening. Um, towards the church and stuff. And it's something that we need to talk about and talk about like, how do we handle it as Christians? How do we deal with it and all that kind of stuff? And this is only a little bit of the conversation to be had on this one episode. You know, we can't get into everything. Maybe in the future, we get into a little bit more, but I hope our listening audience enjoyed our episode talking about this. And if you have any concerns or anything, your thoughts, you know, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram and stay tuned for these announcements. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Paradigm Switch podcast. 
We hope that you have learned something new for your everyday life. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to tell your friends about the Paradigm Switch, too. For more information on past or future episodes, please follow the Paradigm Switch podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to tune in for our episode next week as we continue renewing our minds to think right side up.